welcome Let our songs be assigned We are here for you We are here for you Let our breath come from heaven Fill our hearts with your life We are here for you we are here for you. To you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. You alone are holy, only you are worthy. God, let your fire fall down. Let our shout. Be your anthem, your renown, fill the sky. We are here for you. We are here for you. Let your word move in power. Let what's dead come to life. We are here for you. We are here for you. To you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. You alone are holy, only you are worthy. God, let your fire fall down. Our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. You alone are holy, only you are worthy. God, let your fire fall down. Let your fire fall down. Let it fall. Let it fall. We welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. Almighty God of love, we welcome in this place. We welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. Almighty God of love, we welcome in this place. Let every heart adore. Let every soul awake. Almighty God of love, be welcome in this place. We welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. Almighty God of love, be welcome in this place. To you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. You alone are holy, only you are worthy, God. Let your fire fall down. To you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden. You are our one desire. You alone are holy, only you are worthy, God. Let your fire fall down. 
your fire fall down let your fire fall down let your fire fall down Father God we welcome you into this place we turn our hearts to you this morning Lord we turn our wills to you great and mighty God. Great and mighty God. There's no obstacles to you, Jesus. There's no obstacles. You are so faithful. Yeah. 
is hope and joy and love and peace and life. He has paid the highest price. He has proven his great love for us. We will praise him with our lives. Proclaim our love for him. And he has paid the highest price. And he has proven his great love for us. Oh, and we will praise him with our lives. And proclaim our love for And proclaim our love for him. He is faithful and he is glorious and he is Jesus and all my hope is in him. He is freedom and he is healing right now. He is hope and joy and love and peace and life. He is faithful and he is so glorious and he is Jesus and all my hope is in you can acknowledge today that he is hope he's hope how many need to claim that he is hope this morning <laughs> yeah so holy spirit we release you as the spirit of hope over this place lord this morning uh, your hope in every situation there's no obstacles to you there's no obstacles to you uh, you are faithful when we are faithless John, you getting a bit of feedback there. You want to just catch that? You are so faithful. You're a good, good father to us, God. You carry us when we... We don't even need know we need to be carried. You carry us, and then when we absolutely know that we got nothing left, you're there for us, God. I want to remind you again, you can feel free to be seated if you want. Stay standing if you want. There's flags in the corner, lots of space for dancing. If anybody feels like that VJ up for dancing yet? Oh, 
I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard a tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. To you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, to who I am, to who I am. Well, I see many searching for answers, far and wide, but I we're all searching for answers only you provide because you know just what we need before we say a word you're a good good father to you are to you are to you are and i'm loved by you to who i am who I am, who I am, you're a good, good father. To you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. To who I am, to who I am, to who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. I, I can hardly speak. He's so unexplainable. I, I can hardly think as you call me. Deeper still as you call me. Deeper still as you call me. Deeper still into love. Father, to you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, to who I am, to who I am. You're a good, good father. To you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. To who I am, you're a good, good father. To you are, to you are, 
teach you guys a, a new one. It's pretty straightforward, but some of you have heard this. We were at camp a few weeks ago, and we were doing this song over and over, so it's called Over and Over, but you can just sing along and um, once, once you get it a couple times. Johnny, can you figure out where that feedback's coming from? Test one, two. Just take the top end off my mic a little bit. Over and over is 
I'll sing of your love over and over. I'll sing of your love over and over. I'll sing with every setting sun. Your faithful, your favor will last for a lifetime. Your anchor will hold through the night. With every breath I will sing of your love, your love. Your favor will last for a lifetime. Your anchor will hold through the night. With every breath I will sing of your love, your love. The mercies are new. Over and over, your mercies are new. Over and over, and singly as the morning comes. You're faithful, I'll sing of your love. Over and over, I'll sing of your love. Over and over, I'll sing with every setting sun. You're faithful. Mercies are new. Oh, your mercies are new. Oh, your mercies are new every day, every day. Your mercies are new over and over. Your mercies are new. Over and over, else early as the morning comes, you're faithful. I'll sing of your love. Over and over, I'll sing of your love. Over and over, I'll surely every setting sun. You're faithful. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, all will see how great, how great is our God, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. The splendor of the King, clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide. 
trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. Time is in his hands, beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The Godhead, three in one. Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God, how great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. Name above all names. You're the name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God. above all names, you are worthy of all praise, and my heart will sing how great is our God, how great is our God, sing with me how great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And oh, we'll see how great, how great. Our God. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art! How great thou art! Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. 
just praise him with your heart this morning. Just tell him in your own words how great he is. Praise you, Lord, for being a great and wonderful God. Yes, you are amazing, God. You are amazing. You are the God of wonders. You're so far above. The universe cries out in praise to you. We're just joining that. Join the elders in saying, Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. So worthy of all praise. So worthy of all praise. And we thank you for who you are. We thank you for who you've made us. The bride, the family. Imprint that on our hearts, who we are in you. We are sons and daughters. Of a great God. Princes and princesses of a great king. Thank you so much. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, music ministry. Wow, I was ready to go. I thought we were just getting started. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, for those who came a little later, welcome to Maple Street Worship Center. Our, our pastor is away today uh, on, a, on a family affair back east. He'll be back uh, on Monday. So he's asked uh, me to take the services today. And uh, I want to start by saying what a privilege it is. How great is our God? You think about the things that have transpired in your life and what God has done for you and has yet to do. He's a great God. You know, look at the weather out here lately. You see those rolling thunderstorms and those clouds and the, the lightning and the flashing and my dog, little dog at home is running around barking, trying to protect the house and whatnot. And you know, for, some, for myself anyways, uh, I could look at that and it's just a wonderful thing. I think, God, you are so marvelous. You are so great. And we see the heavens and we see nature and all those things that you created. These are nothing in comparison to who you are. He is a great God. He is a good God. We're going to continue the worship right now. I'm going to ask the ushers to prepare to take the offering. And then we're going to uh, dismiss the children to uh, Sunday school. And we'll move on from there. All right? Hallelujah. I want you to think, just in the next couple of minutes, I'm, I, I love body ministry. I call body ministry is hearing people share what God has been doing in their lives. If you have something that's short, we just want to, you know, allow a few minutes, a couple of minutes. Uh, if you've got something that's short, that's edifying to the body of Christ,
to testify of God's love and his greatness and his unconditional love for you, I'll welcome you up afterwards and we can, uh, we can uh, share that. So prepare your hearts and minds if you have something. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Father, I thank you. Margaret, visiting from Nova Scotia, would you come and lead us with the uh, offering prayer? Would you, are you comfortable with that? Okay, we've got to put it up. Oh, we're waiting to put it up. You know, if all else fails, we got plan B, and we can just thank God and give him the glory. But we got it up, Margaret. And this is part of the worship too, eh? As we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources to give to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me, so I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Could we get, uh, while the ushers are taking up the offerings and tithes, could we get the children's school children up here so we can pray on them and release them? Hallelujah. You know something? I've noticed the last number of Sundays, we pray for the children, but it seems like we don't pray for those that are ministering to the children, unless I'm missing it. Um, we need to elevate and lift them up in prayer as well. Amen? You know, this is the future of your church. When you look in a congregation, we're a lot of older people here, but we have a lot of younger people. Uh, just come on up over here. Feel free. Come up here. Stand with your children. But uh, this is the future church. This is our harvest. This is part of our harvest here. It's not just out there in the community. This is the future of our church right here. Hallelujah. Sandy, could I ask you to pray? Would that be okay? And would you, not only for the children, but would you bless those that are ministering as well? Is that okay? Thank you. Oh, yes, God. Heavenly Father, we just come before you today with this amazing group of little ones going to hear about Jesus in Sunday school and their parents and teachers here who are the ones to reinforce all the word that we try and put in those little ones. God, I just pray that you would open all of their hearts this morning to receive from you. Father, just bring truth into all of their lives this morning. Give them strength. Give them courage for this day. Thank you, Lord, for the teachers that your anointing is rising up within them, and they will have a word that will bless today as they give it out to those children. Thank you for the parents. Thank you for the teachers. And thank you for each one of those little jewels in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you. So, children are going to go on their way. Aren't they a blessing? You know, I like what you said there about the jewels, Sandy, because the scripture says that Christ wears a royal diadem. That's a crown. And, uh, you know, we think of a crown as gold and gems and jewels, but that crown is us. It's us. Christ is preparing a crown, and he's embedding it with jewels and gems, and it's us. It's his church. And he'll be wearing that as his crown. What a wonderful thought that is, isn't it? Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. I would like to take one or two minutes here before we uh, open for a couple minutes of body ministry just to uh, get up and meet each other. Greet each other in the Lord. You don't see each other most all the week, most of us here. So get up and take two or three minutes while I just prepare and uh, say hi. <laughs> Give him a hug. Welcome newcomers here. Find out their name. It's an innocent thing. It's an innocent thing. It's an innocent thing. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We're a church here who loves you, Lord. We're a family that gathers together to tell you we love you and to receive your unconditional love for us in every way and aspect. There are children here and children yet to come. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I have a short message here. Thank you. Let there be light. So they called in the duty electrician, and now we have light. Hallelujah. Has anybody got anything they would like to share? Want to come up and share about what God has done in your life this week or something significant, a healing, a touch, an experience? Are you coming up, sister? Hallelujah. Well, last Sunday when I came into church, I could hardly walk because I had pulled my knee out, and um, people gathered around me and prayed for my knee. On Monday morning, I got out of bed, and I have a brand new knee. Hallelujah. No, brand new. Like, it's never felt better in all my life so far. <laughs> well, for the last years. So thank the Lord for that. Come on up, Susan. So much for the two, three minutes. Come on up, Susan. So the healing in the knee, in her knee, his name is Jehovah Rapha, the God that healeth us. Amen. Okay, this is a few weeks back, and um, we had trouble with our car. And okay, <laughs> okay, we got off the highway. We were driving. Which part do you want to start with? Yeah. Okay, you start, and I'll join you. Okay, so we were going into Sherwood Park, which is uh, something that Diane and Frank do, and you know that they drive the Mazda. And uh, what ended up happening was we were checking out one address before we headed somewhere else. So we had just got off the highway into Sherwood Park, went down a um, closed, a close, they call it, which is basically a cul-de-sac. And um, the vehicle did something really strange when it was put into a turn. So what ended up happening was there was scraping, there was a noise, there was a little bit of smoke or, or dust rising, and um, basically Frank turned the vehicle off really fast. And uh, so yeah, there we were stuck sideways across this road because we're in a turn, so the way, it, the, way the car went and basically, when a jogger came by, so basically, I, I, being a non-car person, I had said that I would go out and lift the front end of the vehicle and let Frank kick the tire. <laughs> and uh, he said no. He didn't agree with that. Okay, I'm going to hand off to Diane. <clears throat> and that jogger came by. He looked under the car, and he says, Oh, this happened to me four days ago. You have your ball joints have broken, and your axle probably is broken, and all this. So anyway, we got the car towed to Mazda. But the thing is, the day before, Susan had asked if she could come with us, and I said, "But be prepared. We have to look for another vehicle, and we'll probably go to a Mazda dealership and look." She said, "Fine." Frank had a dream about getting a car and all this stuff. Oh, it's all a big story. But anyway, the Lord fixed our car. Susan did not have to lift up the car. <laughs> Here's the thing of it. We could have been uh, doing highway speeds. And we prayed, and, and like Diane Frank prayed before they leave, and then they let me pray again because well, as soon as I get in that vehicle, I want to pray. And just asking God, and, and you know what? What came to me was like, yes, thank you that I'm still alive, but also 
he hears us. He, he, hear, he heard that prayer even though something occurred, which uh, could have been very detrimental and scary. He protected us. He sang to us. He heard. But, but like there was that component of, um, you know, the vehicle basically, you know, being suspect now. And you had a, a trip coming up. So we were thanking God that this happened before they went on their long drive and highways and et cetera. But, but there is a result because of it, so I'm going to let Diane share. Well, we have a new Mazda, and I thank the Lord for that. Anyway, thank you, Lord. You work it out. <laughs> he does work it out. You know, he's concerned about everything. I know exactly what she's talking about. Many years ago, going, doing 100 kilometers an hour in my pickup truck, going down a two-lane road next to the Saskatchewan River on the way to work in Prince Rupert. Exact same thing happened to me. Ball joint broke on the driver's side. The car went, the truck went right to the left. I hit a concrete barrier. I thought I was going to die. The reason I say that, because that concrete barrier is only about 18 inches high. And right after that concrete barrier is hundreds of foot drop down to the North Saskatchewan River. There was nothing I could do. It was that fast. It just, the truck jerked over. I hit that concrete barrier. I had my seatbelt on. As I'm hitting that barrier, I, the only thing I could do is cry out in the name of Jesus. The truck hit that barrier, ricocheted it back onto the highway. Praise God, it didn't go over. And I'm here today to talk about it. God meets our needs. He takes care of us. One quick thing. Brother and sister, I'm not even sure if they're with us anymore. The elderly couple, we sort of were our, our spiritual parents. They were out camping with their pickup truck. They have a camper special. It means it's got two batteries. And they were out camping to get the truck started. So he got under the hood, and he was doing what he could do and everything else and did all the things in the natural. And they're a good, powerful Christian couple. They pray. And then Gene says to him, you know, we didn't pray. So they stopped and prayed. And they thanked Jesus he turns the ignition and broom, the truck stops, starts right up. They're all excited. Let's get out of here. He runs around to close the hood, and he looks down, and the terminal leads on both batteries were off. You hear what I'm saying? God sovereignly started that truck for them. There was no battery leads on the batteries, and yet it turned over and flashed up. Now, if that ain't the hand of God, what is? But God is concerned about us in everything, and even in these things. It seems incredible, but he's concerned about life. So we should be prepared in supplication and prayer in some things or in all things. Give thanks to the Lord. Amen? So if there's no more wanting, oh, come on up, brother. That's good. Welcome. Good to see you here. Uh, good morning, everybody. For some of you might not know me, I'm Jordan Granger. And my testimony, or I just, the thing I have to thank God for here is being here, first of all. And this spring, well, I have a some lot. Of, thank you, everybody, whoever's praying for me. I mean, there's lots of you, I'm sure. Thank you very much. And uh, this spring, I've had 
the H AFib heart H fibrillation uh, for four years, and it's usually it's been in beat. And this a uh, couple times I've mistreated myself. For, well, it'll go out a beat, right? But it's always popped back in. And the one time it did well, I was on my way back from BC, and, and the doctors I was in the in the foothills hospital, what's his name, in Calgary there, and the specialists were sending me out, and they said, oh, it's AFib, and you're going to have to live with it, and at the same time, I was praying for, to God, and I went up, I went around and exercised, right, I got out and uh, walked around the hospital a couple times, which is darn near a mile each time, and then going up and downstairs, and all of a sudden, they were kicking, they were letting me out the next day, and they checked my, and the heart was good, right? So, and praise God, with who I was, but in my own mind, I was saying, well, it's the exercise, it's the exercise. Anyway, from there, you know, it's been basically regular beat with my medications and taking care, but this spring, I abused myself fairly long and, and, and bad, so uh, it's over a month ago, like it had been probably a fib for a month or a month and a half, maybe popping in and out. But I went to Grand Prairie to detox. That was over a month ago, Lincoln, do you remember? Anyways, anyways, uh, up there, it was out. It wasn't going back in, and I was getting worried. And should have been going to the hospital instead of being there, but. So one day I went up and I snuck into the other part and I exercised, but I prayed as well. And then the next day, I had a 60, 61 heartbeat in the morning and a 61 at night. And me, like a fool, I tell the nurses, or the, yeah, the nurses in the detox there. It's also built under a rehab, this place, and, and uh, rehabilitation, actually. Uh, I told them... Oh yeah, it was, my, it was the exercise, you know. That <laughs> didn't mention God, right? The next day, boom, it was back. It was out again. And anyway, it's been out ever since. And they had me in the hospital. And they they used to give me the uh, intravenous. Uh, I'm trying to think the met metropolol and by intravenous, and that didn't work. And, Anyway, there has nothing's worked in uh, a week ago or however long it was. I just turned back to God and and I, you know, guilty as usual. And I started praying and I stopped at uh, well, I was shopping at No Frills and so I tried their machine and my heartbeat was a little fast, which it will be when it goes back. But everything was normal. My blood pressure is always low because it, it was good. But uh, yeah, it said normal on my heart. So uh, since then, I haven't even I have a blood pressure machine at home, but I just I've got lots of energy, and I'm kind of trying to leave it in God's hands. I'm not even checking it. I'll let God worry about it, and I just praise and thank Him for still. When a person turns his back on him so many times, he can still still uh, be.
be there for you and, and always will forgive and And thanks again for the prayers. Yeah. Amen. Isn't it good to have body ministry? Did you want to share something or are you just praying? You know, last Sunday, for those that were here, you might have heard me. I, I forget what I was doing, but I prayed right away. I came against condemnation. You remember that? And I'll tell you why. Because I was walking around greeting people, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord just came upon me and showed me a couple of people that were under condemnation. Actually, it was, it was affirmed later on after the service they had shared with some people. But you know what? God does not condemn us, brother. You're set free on Calvary. God paid the price once and for all. He doesn't condemn you, and we don't condemn you. The Scripture says what? What does the scripture say? For those that love the Lord that are called according to his purposes. Brother, God loves you. He gave you life. His heart is for your, you for good. Let the, let the enemy who comes against you re, rebuke him, attack him. Trust God. Don't look to that. Look to God. And that goes for all of us. We're not condemned. We're not perfect. God doesn't condemn us. Neither should we. That's the devil's work. We're to uphold each other, to encourage either, each other, to love each other, to share with each other. Isn't that what we're supposed to do as Christians, as a family? Amen? Well, don't let the devil come to you with condemnation and receive it. Say, that's not for me. God, my Father, loves me unconditionally. No matter what I do, good or bad, he loves me unconditionally. Full stop. Amen? Amen. So some of you may know me. I like to tell a little joke once in a while. And I believe God created humor. I know God created humor. God is a humorous God. If you've ever had experiences with him, you know what I'm talking about. I'm sure all of you do. And so I am not going to let the devil take humor out of our lives as Christians, and we shouldn't. And so I'm going to tell you a couple jokes before I start the sermon here. And this is a conversation that was overheard and I know Ryan will like these. He really loves this stuff. This is a conversation overheard at a southern church one day. What's wrong, Bubba? Asked the pastor. I need you to pray for my hearing, said Bubba. The pastor put his hands over Bubba's ears, and he prayed. When he was done, he asked, So how's your hearing? Well, I don't know, said Bubba. It isn't until next Tuesday. It could be worse. I could have told you about the sign that I saw at a church that said, without the bread of life, you're toast. Father, I thank you that uh, you love us. Thank you for the testimonies of what you're doing in people's lives. Lord, I know that you're doing even more than what we've heard or seen or can understand. But we thank you that you are active. You are in our lives in every aspect. And it's not just in church. It's 24-7, seven days a week, Lord, throughout the day and night. You're there, you're present, you're with us. You said you would never forsake us, and that means you would never leave us. You don't say, well, it's nighttime now, I'm going to sleep. Uh, you're on your own. No, you're right there, Lord. You're a sovereign, omniscient, omnipresent God, and you care for your children, and you look after your children, and you will not let harm befall them because you're such a loving and good God. 
And that kind of falls into place of what I want to talk about today. Uh, and I want to talk about overcomers. Now, some of this might seem a little bit familiar, but for those maybe, for others, maybe it's new or maybe it's a, it's a, good, uh, it's a good refresher. But I want to tell you, when Pastor asked me about a week ago if I could take the service, well, he didn't even ask me. He told me he had this family situation, and I said, I can cover you on Sunday if you need. And uh, I prayed about it, and God started to speak to me and give me some things, and coincidentally, I was reading some different articles that fit in. And so I said, wow. So I took some stuff out of that, and I mixed it with mine, and it's coming out here today, and see if it will bless you. So in our world today, we talk about all kinds of survivors. We talk about cancer survivors. We talk about tornado survivors, earthquake survivors. The list goes on and on, abuse survivors. And it's great to be a survivor, amen? I, I'm one of them. I'm a survivor. There's others here in this, in this congregation that are survivors. You've experienced some things, and we're survivors. And, uh, but we should want to, more than just to survive as Christians, to be more than just survivors. The Bible uses the word overcomer, and the root word for overcome has a very interesting meaning. In the original Greek, it means to prevail, to pass over, to gain the victory. If we don't want to just settle for surviving, but we want to walk with victory, which is already purchased for us by Christ, to be overcomers. You know there's a Survivor TV program. Has anybody ever watched that program, Survivors? Don't be afraid to put your hand up. I got my hand up. Anyways, it's a program about, they put a bunch of people, dozen, 15, or whatever it is, on a deserted island or out in the outbacks or whatever. And the prize is whoever outwists, outlasts, and I'm going to put in out backstabs, uh, gets the million bucks, right? And so how it starts off, they usually form cliques, you know, three or four or whatever. And they plot against each other till they whittle everybody down. And then eventually, within that small group, they have to turn on each other too. So that the person who's last person standing, so to speak, wins the million dollars. It's in total, totally, and I've watched it once. I don't watch it anymore. I know it's on TV. It's in total opposition to what we as Christians should be doing as survivors or overcomers. We should not try, be trying to outwit outsmart, outbackstab, outmaneuver. We should be helping each other, encouraging each other, supporting each other, praying for each other, mentoring to each other, and just being part of helping the heart of Christ. It's the mind of Christ. It's the heart of Christ to help, to give need, to overcome. We sometimes need that help. We can't do it on our own, Jordan. We need people to pray for us. We need people to minister to us. We need to hear the Word of God. We need to apply that in our lives so we can overcome. So, more important than the ability to survive on a desert island, wherever it is, is the, the ability to become a spiritual survivor, an overcomer in this world. Jesus taught his disciples to be confident and optimistic. I'm going to say that again. Jesus taught his disciples, Jesus taught his disciples to be confident and optimistic. How do you do that when you're in a trial? Stand by. Jesus, in John 16, you're going to hear me go through a lot of scriptures. I'm only going to read one out of, this, out of the Bible. The other ones, I've written them out. So if you want to go back and you want to jot them down, so you want to go over them, do that, because I'm going to go pretty quick. But in John 16, verse 33, it says, quote, In this world you will have tribulation, 
But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. He said, we're going to have it. He said, but don't be sad, because he says, I've overcome the world. We can be overcomers because Jesus was an overcomer. The Lord has provided a way for believers to be victorious for every foe we face, for every situation, for every trial, for whatever predicament we find ourselves in. God has provided a way. Amen? So how do we become an overcomer? Well, we will face opposition in this world. However, the scripture points us to some resources given to us to become overcomers. So if you're going through a situation or going to be going through a situation or have been through a situation, you've learned some things. But listen to this. First, it requires a birth. If you've got the scripture, put it up. John chapter 3, verse 1 and through 8, and I'm going to read it out. So it requires a birth. So it says here, and I'll read out of the Amplified. Now there was a, and you, most of you are familiar with this passage. Now there was a certain man among the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a, a leader, a ruler, and an authority among the Jews. Who came to Jesus this night, and he said to him, Rabbi, he's saying this to Jesus, we know and are certain that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs, these wonder works, these miracles, and produce the proofs that you do unless God is with him. And verse 3, Jesus answered him, I assure you, most solemnly, you know when Jesus says something like that, most solemnly, or when you hear angels, holy, 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 repetition, it's important. Most solemnly I tell you that unless a person is born again, that is anew from above, he or she cannot ever know, be acquainted with, and experience the kingdom of God. So Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is of old? Can he enter his mother's womb and be born again? Doesn't seem logical. So Jesus answered, I assure you, most solemnly, I tell you, unless a man is born of water and even the Spirit, he cannot ever enter into the kingdom of God. There's a reference of Ezekiel 36 to that. But what is born from the flesh is flesh. Of the physical is physical. And what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel, that is, do not be surprised, astonished at my telling you, you must all be born anew from above. The wind blows or breathes where it will, and though you hear its sound, yet you neither know where it comes from nor where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So, we see from this passage that in order to become an overcomer, uh, you need to be born again. And it's not a denominational thing. It's not like well, only the Pentecostals are born again. It's, you can be born again and be a Catholic. You can be born again and be uh, Anglican. You can be, you know, born again is making a decision. I'm going to talk about this. But in your mind to ask God to come into your life, you don't have to go to a particular denominational church for that. It's available for all of us. Second, it requires a belief. Quote, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is that? Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? Jesus is telling us. He who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And that's in 1 John 5, verses 4 to 5. You don't have, or you don't become an overcomer by trying. You become an overcomer by trusting. Let me say that again. Very important. You don't become an overcomer by trying. Been there done that you become an overcomer by trusting trusting saying God 
I know your heart is for me. You love me. You're concerned for me. You have a plan. I can trust you. It is by belief or faith that we are born again. Simple. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, quote, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. If you want to walk in the victory, brothers and sisters, it's time to stop trying and start trusting. Amen? What are you trusting in today? I'll tell you a little story here. About six weeks ago, I got shingles really bad. And still overcoming a little bit of it. And it got me around the derriere there and the inside thigh. Very painful. Very painful. I have an appreciation and a compassion for people who have gone or are going through this. If you want anybody, man, I, I'm quick to pray for them because I know once you experience something like that, it's painful. So what happened was I was putting up a a shed with Cheryl. We worked on a Friday and a Saturday. We worked about 10 hours each day, right through lunch, and it was hot, sweltering. And Sunday night, just before supper, we finished, and I thought, thank God. And we went to church the next day. And we came home, and I said to her, man, I must have hurt myself really bad here because my sciatic nerve feels like I've pulled it. or str I'm in a lot, a lot of pain. So I went and had a shower, and I come out of the Cheryl, a shower, and Cheryl was peeking at me. And... Uh, she goes, oh, my gosh. I said, what's the matter? She said, stand there for a second. She took a mirror, and she showed me. And I was all broken out in these blisters, and it was painful. And I went, oh, yeah, oh, my gosh, all right. So it's now Sunday early evening, and I thought, well, we'll just wait till Monday morning. I'm not gasping for breath here or anything. She said, I, I think that's shingles. So we went Monday morning. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got shingles, and you got it bad. So... So the doctor writes me these two prescriptions uh, for gabapentin, for because uh, if you know anything about shingles, it attacks the nerves, and it feels like you got a second-degree sunburn. It's just really horrible, and it doesn't stop. Anyways, this is Monday morning. Go home, 2.30 in the morning, Monday morning. I'm in agonizing pain, my stomach pain. I said, I wake Cheryl up. Cheryl, you're going to take me to emergency. Something is terribly wrong here. They take me to emergency, they check me out, and they go, they actually had to give me morphine. I was in that much pain. And they said, you're all blocked up. Your whole gastrointestinal system is blocked up, and I don't know if that was from a result of the shingles or whatever. Okay, what are you going to do about it? We're going to give you, Edward, the magic bullet, as the nurse says. And it's a bottle of, the nurses know what it is, magnesium something. She gives me this bottle, the magic bullet, right? And she gives me the, the bottle, and her confidence level is obviously very high because she says, well, how far do you live from the hospital? We said about a 20-minute drive. She says, well, yeah, you should probably make it home. Well, I'm thinking, whoa, that fast? Well, hallelujah. So I said, quick, Cheryl, drive home. I get home. It's about 3 in the morning, 7.30. The morphine has worn off. I'm in even worse pain. I shake Charlotte back to emergency. 
go back to emergency. They let me in. They said, we better check something out here. They took some x-rays and they said, oh, yeah, your system is completely blocked up. And the magic bullet didn't work. But uh, I says, what do we do? The doctor says, it's got to come out. You, you can't live. They did blood tests, too, because it makes sure the poison hasn't gone into your system and stuff. And that, that was okay and everything. So she says, we'll have to give you an, an enema. And I said, enema? She says, yeah, a fleet enema. And it's basically it's a bottle of some kind of solution, sodium phosphate. And they put it there, and they squirt, squirt, and it's supposed to clean you. Well, when they did that, on a scale of 1 to 10, you know when they ask you about the pain level? Mine was around 20. And I couldn't figure it out till later, but I finally figured it out. She was squirting sodium phosphate, that salt, right into the open blisters. And it hurt. I mean, they could have hurt. They heard me down there in, in intensive care at the other end of the hospital. So 7.30 in the morning, that doesn't work. They give me some Dilaudid because I'm in a lot of pain. And finally, after all their doctors and stuff and things, they come up with, guess what? We're going to try one more enema, but it's a different kind. It's what we used to use in the old days. And basically, it's some water with Castile soap in it. And they put that in. It didn't even hurt. Cleaned me all out, fixed me. Why didn't you do that in the first place? Anyways, I'm home. I'm laying in bed. And because of the shingles and because of this enema, I also now have severe diarrhea. And I'm telling you all this for a reason. Just bear with me. And I'm laying in bed, and I'm praying. I've been praying. I'm looking through the scriptures. I'm calling on God. I'm declaring healing. I'm rebuking the devil. I'm declaring the promises. I'm doing all that stuff. And I'm laying there, and I didn't say it, but this little voice in the back of my mind said, how could it possibly get any worse? And it did. Because... I would take a shower, and Cheryl, my loving wife, would come up with some calamine lotion. It was only temporary, and she'd put it over the blisters for me. And three days after this had started, she says, Oh, Ed, you've got a big wound in your behind. I said, What? She showed me the picture. I went, Back to emergency. So the doctor looks, Ooh, take you over to the operating room. They gave me a bunch of freezing. And they had to, he said, look, we can't take away all the pain. We're taking what we can do and what we can deal with. But, you know, there's still going to be some pain. And boy, was he right. And uh, they had to take some anesthetic. They had to scrub out the wound because there was infection in there. And on the scale of 1 to 10, it was like 22. So I don't know why the scale only goes to 10. Anyways, um, so I'm home. I'm in tremendous pain from the shingles. I can't go anywhere further than 10 feet from a washroom. And uh, they have to pack this wound every time. I have to go into the hospital every day. I have to unpack it, clean it out, pack it with disinfectant, pack it this for two weeks. But after the first three or four days, the nurses started coming to the house because it was a three to five hour trip every day to the hospital. And because uh, of the waiting period and how it goes, <sighs> So I'm laying there in bed. I'm suffering from, the, suffering from the diarrhea. And now I got this big gaping wound. And I didn't th even want to think, can it get any worse? 
But while I was laying there in bed at night, and I was praying, and I hadn't slept. I was getting maybe an hour and a half at night. I was exhausted. And I was laying in bed, and I was declaring God's word, and I was praying, and I read his word, and I finally stopped. And I said, God, I just put my, myself in your trust, in your care. I trust you. And as soon as I said that and did that, I felt the peace of God come over me. I didn't feel any pain, and I fell asleep. And the next morning I woke up, and I wasn't healed. But you see, the point I want to make here is, and God has a, had a purpose for the ongoing part. When I finally came to the point of just relaxing and saying, God, I trust you. And I didn't do wrong things. I was reading his word, declaring his promises, rebuking the enemy. But, you know, sometimes you just got to stop. And those are good things to do. And say, God, I trust you, Jordan. He has a plan. Trust him. He loves you. His heart is for you. And he will take us where he needs to take us, even through these kinds of circumstances. So, so we said it took a birth. We took a belief. And the final thing is it requires the blood. In Colossians 1.14, it says, quote, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, once and for all, paid the price for your eternal redemption. Not just today or tomorrow, for your eternal redemption. And we be, live like overcomers. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, quote, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, which we just saw, and they did not love their lives to the death. We can overcome the obstacles that we face in this life through the strength that we receive in Christ Jesus. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. If you've been born again, you've already been made an overcomer in him. We have already been given the victory through the blood of Jesus Christ, we saw. And our challenge now is what? Is to live in the light of the victory that he has already purchased and won for us. That's our challenge, church. If you want to look at summation everything, we are to walk in the victory. And I know you've heard this in different ways, in different aspects. But we're to walk in the victory that God has already purchased for us. Can anybody say an end to that? Do you have an overcomer mentality? Boom. April 2003. Faced with an excruciating decision between life and death, mountaineer Aaron Ralston does the unthinkable. He severs his own arm to free himself after being wedged between a narrow canyon wall and a boulder for 127 hours. That's like five days. His desire to survive or overcome leads him to make the seemingly incomprehensible decision to cut off his own limb. And some of you may remember this story. Story number two. July 1989. Airplane passenger Jerry Schemmel travels on a United Flights uh, Airlines flight from Denver to Chicago. And at 37,000 feet, the plane engine explodes. Well, that must have been a very exciting flight rendering the flight control useless and making a crash landing imminent. In the 44 minutes before the plane is expected to hit the ground, Mr. Schemmel finds himself planning how to survive or overcome the seemingly impossible circumstances. When the plane crashes, he makes his way to safety. And I will explain more on those in a minute. I remember coming into Edmonton one time, 
and our plane got hit by lightning. And uh, I don't want to say I was scared, but I was really concerned. It got real quiet because when lights go out in the plane after a big lightning crack beside you, I think maybe something's not right. And to compound that, the pilots didn't get on the intercom and say anything for about five minutes. And everybody's sitting there. And then he finally comes on and says, well, you know, sorry it took so long to get back to you. We were a little busy up in the cockpit. Anyways, we safely landed. We got off, and they towed that plane away because there must have been some damage. But I can't imagine. That was a short thing. 44 minutes, you're thinking. I'm 37,000 feet. We're on our way down. We're going to hit Mother Earth in 44 minutes. We'll be doing a lot of praying. These stories were detailed in an ABC 2020 special called, quote, The Science of Survival. While we know that God protects us and we rely on him, many of the points made about how to essentially prepare and survive physical disasters throughout the program in this thing on TV are directly connected to what we as Christians must do to strengthen our resolve to overcome our own spiritual trials and hold on to the truth and rule in God's kingdom. You know, Morris Sorello, the old-time evangelist, said, all truth is parallel in the spirit and in the natural. And I really believe that. And if you look around and you study it and you pray about it, God will show it to you. So the men that I just mentioned previously had a certain survival mentality that saved their lives. And in some cases, saved the lives of others. I'll explain that in a minute. Throughout their physical ordeals, they had two things in common. A compulsion to escape and a will to live. And I believe that God puts that in us. God puts that in us. That's why it's so insidious when somebody takes their life through suicide. Because God has put in each one of us the will to survive, to fight, to move on, to go on, to carry on. That's a God-given gift in us. So when that happens uh, in suicide, you know that that's just directly from the devil. But they had this compulsion to live and escape. Uh, when sudden trials, whether small or large, occur in our lives, how do you react? How do you react? What do you do? Are we capable of figuring out how to overcome them? Before we even decide to choose a Christian walk, Jesus presents us with a reality to consider. If you're a new Christian, don't be alarmed by what I'm about to say. It's okay. I'll explain it more. In Luke chapter 14, verse 28, it says this. Quote, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sits not down first and counts the cost, whether ye have sufficient to finish it? And that word tower, I always thought tower was like big tower, defenses, got the cannons there, the enemy comes against us, we run into God's tower, and he lets them have it. But that word tower also means like farm buildings, barns and stuff. And I thought that was interesting because, yeah, I thought that was interesting because, you know, like a, in a barn, what do you think about uh, of a barn? A barn, it's, oh, you know, it's, it's nice, it's warm, it's out of the rain, there's straw and hay and feed, it, it's shelter, it's protection. But the point God is making here is, before you build that barn, Lincoln, what do you do? You've got to say, how much lumber is, uh, am I going to need? I'm going to need $10,000 worth of lumber. How am I going to put that up? I'm going to need certain equipment. Can I do it by myself? No, I need people to help me. I can't. So you've got to count the cost. And if those factors don't gel, you can't do it because you've got a half a barn or whatever. It's not going to work. So Jesus says you need to count the cost. So considering that there is a cost, that should be our first clue that the Christian walk is not necessarily 
going to be a cakewalk. Well, God promises us the abundant life in John 10.10, 10, and ultimately rulership in the kingdom of God in Revelation, 20, or Revelation 2, verse 26. If we endure, we may have to maneuver through a spiritual minefield to get there. The Apostle Paul describes it as warfare. I'm not going to read this. It's a long chapter. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 33. But here's a synopsis of it. Think about all the things that he experienced. Paul did. He experienced beatings. He experienced shipwrecks. He experienced perils in the cities, perils in the wilderness, hunger, cold, nakedness, a bunch of other things. While we may never have to experience the intensity of Paul's trials, we know that we will experience some. How do I know that? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, quote, All who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. It's God's word. It's not me. This is not a negative message. This is a positive message. Just listen. Let God speak to your heart. Now, one aspect of becoming an overcomer is the determination to reach the goal of God's kingdom. And that's uh, you can read that in 1 Corinthians 9.24. It talks about running the race. Running the race. In a worldly race, you receive a crown that is earthly. It's perishable. Christians run the race to receive an imperishable crown. And when you think about it, we run the race, we're going to get that crown. And you look at scriptures too, when the elders, they just throw their crowns at Jesus' feet. What is the crown? It's Jesus is, is what we're wanting to be. That's, that's, the, that's the ultimate victory. That's the ultimate glory, to be with Jesus. And so God says we run the race. We don't have to be first. doesn't matter if we're last. We run and we endure to the end. There's a determination. That's what God's looking for to become an overcomer. Amen? There will be some pain when you run a race, but the pain is well worth the effort. And when I talk about races here, just transpose trials, tribulations, situations, events, right? Put that in there. So it's worth the effort. And we know that because in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, it says, quote, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be received in us, unquote. What a beautiful promise. Being prepared is essential to developing an overcomer mentality. And how do we do that? Well, there are kinds of survivor books, all kinds of them out there. But unlike what authors and scientists may believe, uh, God's not left us to go it alone, having to try to figure out everything on our own. Isn't that a comfort? Because if you're sitting there and you're trying to figure everything out on your own, you're in trouble. You need the hand of God in your life, and it's there. It's extended to you 24-7. It's always available. Even when you're sitting there thinking, oh, God, these shingles hurt. Oh, God, I can't even eat anything. Oh, God, it hurts every time they pack. Through all that stuff, you know, God is there with us. And you know what, folks? Pastor preached this a couple of two or three Sundays ago, I think it was. But you know what? The devil comes to bring division. He comes to bring trials and tests, or God allows him to bring trials and tests and things against you to try to say, if you are God, if there is a God in heaven, how come these shingles aren't healed? It says in your word, I prayed this, I believe this, I'm reading your word, I, I love you, I've been walking in your kingdom, I've been doing things for your kingdom, blah, 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 all these works. Here. Where are you, God? 
Are you, if you're really God, how come you're not healing me right now? What's going on? And the devil's going, yeah, that's right. Give him heck. But you know what it did to me, folks? I got closer to God because of it. I had more time to read his word like I could do anything else. I had more time to pray. I had more time to think on things. I was praying. And I was looking around and I was thanking God while I was suffering. And that's not, that's not putting a thing on, oh, what a good guy you are. I'm just saying it draws us closer if we look at it. Don't let the devil, devil drive you away. Turn it around. For all things work to the good. For those that love the Lord who are called according to his purposes. Right? Amen? And so that made me closer to God. Now, I can think of a lot more pleasurable ways to get closer to God than that. But I want to tell you, I just want to point out that there's a positive thing in this. So, he's God has provided us with a great instruction manual that explains how to survive. In fact, it's the ultimate survival guide. Does anybody know what that is? Hint? God's word. He gives us, through his word, the ability to be prepared for situations. And in fact, we are commanded to study these words. Did you know you're commanded? Look up 2 Timothy 2.15. Study and meditating on what he teaches us through his word prepares us ahead of time to survive difficult no moments we know will come. I didn't know I was going to get shingles, but I sure started rattling off some scriptures. I sure started praying some things. I sure started declaring some things. God gives us, through his word, an ability to prepare somewhat. Satan's not original, folks. He sets the same trap over and over again. Read it in 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Traps, those that are unprepared may fall prey to the devil, to his devices. May. I didn't say would, should. May. Let's go back to Jerry Shemmel, the guy in the plane. When the DC-10 airplane began to lose altitude, Jerry Shemmel stopped thinking about dying, and he began to plan what he was going to do once the plane hit the ground. Is that amazing? I thought I'd just, I'd just be praying in tongues. Everybody in that cockpit would know I was a Christian, I'll tell you. He noticed the escape door was only a few rows in front of him. Even in all the chaos, when the plane finally hit the ground and it flipped over, leaving him upside down with flames shooting all around him, he was able to loosen his seatbelt and his head, and he headed toward the escape door. He not only saved himself, but he saved others who had become disoriented and confused. You see, as a Christian, being prepared, using the analogy here, not only is it good for you, it's good for others too. Amen? Even every trial, regardless of how it comes about, has an escape route. I'm going to say that again. If we remember nothing else, remember this before you leave. Every trial that we go through God provides an escape route. Okay? We have to trust him. Lord, I can't do anything more. I put myself in front of you. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. How do we know that? Well, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, quote, There has no temptation, slant trial, taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able but will with the temptation or trial also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. We have an assurance from God that we should expect adversity and we should prepare for it. But also, 
we should be comforted that he will not allow us to endure more than we can handle. And if you're in a trial or situation and you say, I just know where to turn. I don't know what to do. Trust God. He will provide a way. He will not allow us to bear more than we can handle. And when I woke up the next morning after having that good sleep that was a sovereign blessing from God that I got asleep, and I woke up and I, I still had the shingles, I still had diarrhea, and my bum hurt lots. And I thought, okay, God, you got a plan. There's a reason I'm going through this. I don't like this. I don't want this. But I want to tell you, in that time, it had drawn me so close to God because I just started to feed on his word, and, and you know, it helped me. It strengthened me. And I'm just using myself as an example. I know there's many here that have probably experienced that and, and uh, are going through that or have gone through it. But it was really good. And I want to go back to the mountaineer, Aaron Ralston. He came, he, quote, it says, Aaron Ralston explained why he came to the horrifying decision to cut off his arm. Does anybody remember this story? There's a few of them, eh? And, uh, quote, is what he said. The sacrifice of losing my hand was nearly inconsequential because it amounted to getting out and back to my life and the people that I love. That's what he said. Sometimes drastic measures in our life are required. His life is completely different now, Aaron's. He's married. Uh, he's got children. He has an exciting career because he would not allow circumstances to defeat him. God does not expect us brothers and sisters, to literally cut off our limbs to avoid the lake of fire. However, he does want us to be relentless in our approach to being overcomers. Run the race. Endure. Dodge a few boulders. Has anybody had that happen to them? Or is, I know, my walk has been around boulders, up hills, down in the valley, back up the mountain, around Morbo. Ooh, this peak is higher. That's great. Back in the valley. And I say that for a reason, because God takes us through things. He strengthens us through these things. He causes something in us to be, to be uh, I don't know the word for it, but it's like dependent and trusting on God, on his heart. My father will take care of me. This looks really bad, but my father will take care of me. He's never forsaken me. I trust him. Even though my mind says I should do this, I trust him. And God will take you through. In 1 Samuel Chapter 15, verse 22, it says, Obedience is better than sacrifice. Did you know that? And you could be saying, Well, you know, I go to church. Yeah. Once in a while, Christmas, Easter, you know. I, uh, I do good things. I work at the food bank. I work over at the uh, community welfare center. I do this, I do this, do that, do that. And these are all good things. But is that what God wants? It says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Lord, how do I obey you? Read his word. Trust him. Jesus did that. Jesus didn't know anything until he listened and heard from the Father first. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? He says, I do nothing as the Father tells me. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So... I said that to say, I've been approached and asked to go preach somewhere. 
and I've prayed, and the Lord told me no. Preaching your word. Your word. Your word. It's life to people. How, how can that be a bad thing? We need to inquire of the Lord in everything. Even when you think it's something good, your mind says, inquire. I turn around and tell that person I can't do it. I said, I inquired of the Lord, and they have not released me. God has told me not to do it for whatever reason. And in some cases, I found out why after. And I could see, oh, God, you see from a bigger perspective than I can ever see. Thank you, Jesus. God will save us and keep you through things like that. Inquire of him first. And if you want to be an overcomer, you inquire of God, and God will give you the direction and teach you. He may tell you to stand fast. He may tell you to get out of that place. He may tell you whatever. But trust God. I have a question. How come nobody came to rescue this mountaineer? I think he was about 27, 28 at the time. You can Google it. You see, it's quite a story. I thought, the guy's there for five days with his arm pinned between a boulder and a canyon wall. Later on, they find out that this boulder was about 800, 850 pounds. Five days. What's going on? This guy have no family. Oh, he had family. He had family. He had friends. He was well-known. What he didn't do, folks? He didn't file a flight plan. And that's why you file a flight plan in a plane. So that if they don't hear from you on the destination, they know between here and here is where you were supposed to be going. They look for you. He never told anybody. And he was such an avid mountaineer, he would go to all these different places. Never told his family. And he had his arm pinned there. And it's a terrible story because he suffered for four days. He had a little bit of water, a little bit of food. And he couldn't get his arm out of there. And all he had was a dull little multi-two pocket knife with a blade about two inches long. And on the fourth day, towards the end of the day, he scratched into the canyon wall his name and the date because he thought, tonight I surely die. He was done. And he passed out. And he woke up in the morning, and hallelujah. He didn't say that, but he was still alive. And all of a sudden, it came to him because he looked at his arm, and his arm was all black. It was dead. And he was able, with that pocket knife, to sever his arm and use his other arm to break the two bones. Because you, you know, if you ever tried to cut chicken wings, it sounds a little gruesome. Maybe you try to cut through that joint, it's, it's harsh. But this, I'm just trying to tell you this so to give you a set of stage of what he went through, what was necessary for him to take that arm off. And then he had to scale down a 30-foot canyon, and it was eight miles to his vehicle. He never made it to his vehicle because part of the way there, there was a, a Dutch couple on vacation. They saw him, and they... They brought him to medical, uh, to a hospital, whatever, and he lived, and he has a prosthetic arm. But you know what, folks? He didn't let his he didn't let his family know where he was going. Are we a family? Let me try that again. Are we a family? Amen. We should be, right? So how does that relate to us? How does that part of the story? relate to us. The thing is, brothers and sisters, sometimes we go through trials, and we go through tribulations, and we go through situations. God has made available many resources and many ways to help us, directly, sovereignly, 
circumstances, but he's put everybody here in that basket too. So when I go, brother, you know, I'm really going through this trial. I pick up the phone. I call you. Can you pray for me? We do that. We have a prayer network, right? We have a need. We put it out there. Look around the church today, folks. Do that right now. Take a look around who's sitting here. Specifically, who's not sitting here? And those ones that are not sitting here could be out frying hot dogs over a barbecue right now. Or maybe they're in pain. Or maybe they're in trouble. Or maybe they're going through a situation. Maybe they're just visiting family. Maybe they just want to go out in the rain. But have a look around. We're part of the family. God makes provision through the family to minister to needs in the family, spiritually and even naturally too, right? So that's an important aspect of being an overcomer is calling upon your brothers and sisters. We're all brothers and sisters here. We're all in the same family. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to say, well, not enough people called me. I'm just saying that that's what we do, right? Or that's what we should do. Be cognizant when one of the members of the family's not around. Oh, yeah, Ryan, he's off there at camp. He's fine. But what about Billy Bob? I haven't seen him for a couple of weeks. Let's go. Hey, Billy Bob. We did that this week and found out from a couple of people why they weren't here because they were going through some things. You need to do that, all of us. We're all part of the family. And if he had done that, think about this for a second. If Aaron had done that, because his parents, after the first day, they called the police, something's wrong. But they didn't know where to look. But if he had done that, our son hasn't been back for 24 hours and he was going to Red Rock Ridge. They would have gone right over there. Guess what? They would have moved that boulder. He would probably come out with his arm whole. He wouldn't have suffered. He's alive, but he wouldn't have suffered the, the pain and the torment and everything he went through because the family of God, through Christ Jesus, would have ministered to him and met his need. You know I'm coming to a close here. I just got a little bit. But we always sing about victorious army, right? God's got an army marching through the land. Deliverance is their song. There's healing in their hands. There's everlasting grace and gladness in their heart. And in this army I have got a part. Two, three, four. God's got. And we're singing those things and we're moving along in an army. And if you look through the scriptures, what is an army? <laughs> It's not a birthday party. We're at war against spirits in high places. But it's okay. God's given us everything we need. But we are an army. And when an army marches forth and they have a victory, you don't think there's some casualties on their side? There's a cuts and bruises that need to be tended to? So as we move forward, oh, where's Ed? Oh, man, what's going on there, brother, here? Looking a little rough. Let's pray for you because we got another battle on the way here. That's what we should be doing, right? There are going to be circumstances. God hasn't forsaken you. He's going to strengthen you through that. I remember that vision. I think I shared it with you. I was praying in church one time. It wasn't this church. And I'm, <laughs> worship is going on, and I'm, I'm praising God, and I'm, you know, and God shows me that I'm standing there with a sword in my hand. Hallelujah! The sword, the word of God. I got the sword in my hand. And then God shows me, you have to put a little bayonet on the end of the sword. How bizarre is that? You put a bayonet on the end of a rifle, 
So if we're in close quarters, you can, you know, use the sharp end. Why would God put a bayonet on the end of a sword? didn't make any sense to me. And I asked God, what's that? And he told me. He said, what is the sword, Ed? The word of God. The word of God, Father. He goes, yeah. And you know what? You want to go into battle? You got a 24-inch sword, brother. You need a 36-inch. You need more of my word. You need to get into my word more, understand more, imbibe more, take it to heart, and practice it. Extend the length of your sword so you can stand back here three feet when they come against you. So get into the word, the ultimate survival guide, and it will talk you through these things. You don't think so. Oh, God's going to talk about my headache. It's there. Read about it. Ask God. Trust him. Get into his word. Expand the length of your sword. And we should become wiser and more skilled with each successive encounter. You ever said, well, these guys are battle-hardened troops. You ever hear that in a movie or something? Oh, they sent the, uh, they sent the, the National Guard. Well, what's so special about them? They've been in combat, man. They've seen it. They've fought. They've won. They've lost. They've won. They've fought. They've, they're battle-hardened. And Christ does us in us in a very special way, spiritually speaking. And so with each trial that we go through, we should be wiser and more successful. And uh, God will not only take the sword, because a sword is not just for slash and stab. It's also for protection, right? Cling, clang, shield. Use all those things in combination. It's a whole other message. But I want to end up with this last little bit here. Who knows what the mid-bar is? And I don't mean the bar between here and east of town. Who knows what the mid-bar is? M-I-D, not you. M-I-D-B-A-R is how it's spelled. Mid-bar. So what comes to mind when you look at the desert wilderness? Anybody? When you look at the desert wilderness, what comes to mind? So, Sorry? Dry, hot, yeah, barren, forbidding, right? That's what we think about. When people go through hard times, times of loss, crisis, tragedy, loneliness, conflict, separation, they speak of going through the wilderness. Christians will usually say, I'm on the mountaintop or I'm down in the valley, you know? Hinds feet on high places, right? So, we, we say that, we hear that, we interpret that, but I want you to know something. The wilderness is a holy place. I'm getting some strange looks. It's a wilderness is a holy place. The trials is a holy place. It was a desert wilderness, wilderness when God gave his law. It was a desert wilderness when he gave his word. And it was a desert wilderness when he revealed his presence. So hard times or trials are holy, Ed? How so? Well, in Hebrews, the wilderness is called the Midbar. But Midbar comes from the root word Davar, D-A-V-A-R. And Davar means to speak. The wilderness is where God especially speaks to us. It's not the only place he speaks to us, but where he especially speaks to us. I think usually because... We're, we're laying there, oh God, I don't even know what I can do. Oh, you're listening now? You're ready to hear me? 
when we go through trials, do we not call out to God? I don't want anybody to put their hands up, but boy, that's happened in my life. When you go through trials or things, you start crying out to God and praying and everything. Right? And God speaks to us. Has anybody heard his voice in the midbar? I have. I'm sure many of you have too. If you listen to it and you stop complaining and stop going whoa-ho and just saying, God, I'm going through this, but I know your word is truth. I know you love me unconditionally. You gave me life. You didn't bring me into this world to be the tail. You brought me in this world to be the head. You brought me in this world to to, uh, live a life of, of abundance and joy. How come I got these shingles and all this other stuff? I didn't complain about that. I just started thanking God for his mercy. And God answers. He brought Moses into the midbar to speak to him through a burning bush. He brought Elijah to the midbar to speak to him in a still, small voice. And that's, he so too speaks to us in the wilderness, if we listen. The wilderness in your life is not just a wilderness. I'm just coming to a close here. It's holy ground. And he speaks to us if we listen. We need to remain steadfast in the Lord. I hope that was some encouragement to you because you're not walking this path alone. Number one, you have the King of glory, God of all gods, creator of all the heaven and the earth, who speaks things into existence and they become. Who says, mountain be removed and it's removed who says to the dead, rise up and walk. Jesus was in the temple, and he said to the Pharisees one day on the Sabbath, he said, there was this lame man, and he said uh, to the Pharisees, if you remember this, he says, what's easier to do? Is to say your sins are forgiven you or to heal you? You know what the Pharisees said? Goose egg, nothing. Nobody answered. And Jesus said to the lame man, says, you, rise up and walk. And your sins have been forgiven and the man left. And you think about it, they were shocked because how can he forgive sins? Only God could forgive sins. Well, folks, you're forgiven. Calgary, done, finished work, over. Amen? Done. It's done. And Jesus said, these are the results of the forgiveness of your sins that you are healed, that you will be healed, that you are walking in in the manifestation of that healing. And sometimes we walk through certain things and we don't understand it. And we say, God, (laughs) I'm in the midbar. God says, oh, good, now I can talk to you. So I want to encourage you and close by saying, whatever trial you're going through, have gone through, or potentially you'll go through, remember who God is, how sovereign he is, who he is in your life. Read the instruction manual. Call out to God. Call out to your family. Get the prayer you need. And trust God above all things that he has a plan for your life. And these things too shall pass away. And you'll still walk. Now, I'm standing here before you and I'm giving God the glory for the trial I went through. I'm turning that around on the devil. But I also want to encourage every one of us. I know, hey, you guys, your blood's no different than the color of my blood. Your skin, 
your feelings, your hurts, your emotions, your hopes, your aspirations, your dreams. <laughs> Look around. We're, we're people. We're not automatons. God loves us, each one of us individually. He knows before you even ask him what the need is. We trust him as a heavenly father. Those little children, they, they depend on the parents to take care of them, and so should we. You have a part to play, though. God wants you as mature individuals to read his word, to pray, and to go forward with him. Amen? I want to pray right now in closing. Lord Jesus, Father, we need you so much every day of our lives. Lord, I pray that the words that were spoken here today, somehow, somewhere, I know that your Holy Spirit has brought this to some of us, maybe all of us, Lord. I knew I grab a hold of it, Lord, but some of us here maybe particularly, Lord, that needed to hear this, Jesus, to know that they're not alone, that they walk in victory, they have a King of kings and Lord of glories as their advocate, and they have brothers and sisters in the Lord are able to pray and minister to them. They have your word above all things, Lord. And Father, we know that as you study, as we look into your word, as we consume the bread of life, Lord, that it will be exactly that. It will bring us life. It will bring us wisdom and discernment. It will bring us peace in those times, Lord, when things just seem so crazy in our life, whether it be financial or family sicknesses, personal sicknesses, death, whatever the case is, Lord, whether it's a car breaking down, whether it's a job we're looking for, employment we need, Lord, you are the God of provision. You provide all things in your timing, Lord, because you are a wise God. <laughs> there is none that stands before you. And Lord, we all need your help. And we welcome your spirit into our lives. And we welcome hearing your voices in those wilderness times, Lord, that we can hear what you're saying to us, that you take us through to the victory. Lord, we're running the race. Maybe we didn't have what the world would see as a victory in that situation, but it's a victory in the Spirit. And we've made a decision to walk with you, Jesus, and regardless of the issues. But also, Lord, to know that there's the other side of this, that you're a God who loves us, who blesses us, who pours out on us all kinds of blessings that makes provision for us. You're the God of reciprocity. You're the God of love. You're the God of healing. You're the God whose banner over us is love. And God, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you have such a peaceful way to speak to each of us, to take us through those trials, and help us, each one of us, Lord, to share with others, to bless them, to encourage them, even as you have us, Lord, that you are sovereign, you are real. And Lord, we don't just come to church on a Sunday because we've got nothing better to do. We come because we love you. We come to worship you, to honor you, also to to greet our brethren with a hug and a holy kiss and, and, and a few words and to share hearts with each other and to honor you and to hear what you have to say through your servants, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. And Father, I want to close by speaking a blessing on this people. Lord, you says that, uh, your word says that, Lord, we can declare those blessings. And so, Father, I declare blessings over all of these people, Lord, in their lives. And Lord... The blessings are so much. And you are a God who has, is an, 
God of abundance. I don't know what all the blessings are going on or what's needed in anybody's life, but you do. And so I just speak forth those blessings. And above all, Lord, I pray that as you bless, that we'll be cognizant, we'll be aware, we will know where that's coming from, and we will thank you and bless you and appreciate you, Lord, and honor you and give you the glory that you deserve because you are our Heavenly Father. We call Abba, we call out to you, and you're always there for us. Lord, I pray for people that are going through trials right now, whether they're physical or mental or spiritual, that, Lord, you will, in your timing, which is perfect, you will send your angels, you will send your spirit, you will give insight, you'll open our ears, you'll give us wisdom, you'll do miracles, signs and wonders, all of that stuff. It's all the promises, Lord, that you have in your word for us. It's in their survival guide. Help us to be wise. But above all, Lord, I pray that we could start to put on the mind of Christ, each one of us, and also to have a heart for each other as a family, as a church, Lord, to appreciate each other. And Lord, when the devil comes to us to say something negative, we say, down with you, up with Jesus. That's my brother and sister in the Lord. I love them. God loves them. Who am I to, to say anything negative or contrary? Father, I pray that you would bless our pastor while he's back uh, east with his family right now. Lord, uh, I pray that this would be a time of refreshing for Stephen. Lord, that uh, as he experiences some of that down-home cooking that he's used to and that he loves so much and the place that he's come from, Lord, that he can reminisce and visit old friends and new friends and visit with his grandma, Lord, I pray that this would be a time of blessing and refreshing for him. And that, Lord, when he comes back, uh, you will have done a deeper work in him even. Thank you for him, Lord. He's a blessing to our, our church and his family. We, we bless them. And, Lord, for those that are away from our assembly today because of pain or suffering or trials, Lord, we extend unto them. And, Lord, I ask that you would dispatch warring angels on their behalf right now and your Holy Spirit to go to them, to meet them, to speak to them in the midbar and that you would draw them close to you, Lord, and turn us around on the devil and give glory to God and have a deeper walk with you and a deeper understanding. And the people of God said, Amen. Hallelujah. If you need any prayer uh, for anything, feel free to stay behind, and uh, we'll certainly have some people pray for you. There's some needs specifically that you want. Other than that, go with God. Uh, go in his peace and uh, Jesus loves you <laughs> he really does